So here's a fun thing. This week's episode of the show is brought to us by Paul Brad Logan's Hallelujah. You know why that's fun, Eric? No. Because Because Paul Brad Logan's the screenwriter on next year's trilogy capping Halloween Ends, a.k.a. the sequel to the movie all our recent guests are starring in. Hallelujah is a rip-roaring, dark comedy about a sad sack type whose attempt to get his hands on a little bit of cash blows up right in his damn face putting him at odds with a rough cast of characters in a small desert town up to and including a 10-year-old preacher possessed with apocalyptic visions. Tell me that doesn't sound good. It's a little bit Coen Brothers, a little bit Flannery O'Connor, and a little bit horror. Hallelujah is now available in paperback on Amazon.com. Go check that shit out. Meanwhile, over on DeviantArt and our overlords at Fangoria, they have teamed up for a fall horror challenge where your worst nightmare can make your dreams come true. What? I need a spooky sound effect to put in there. No spooky sound effect. There you go. I I appreciate you coming in to save the day there, Scott. It's a Uh, low-rent show. We're doing what we can. Uh, For those artistically inclined, you can turn those nightmares into some tangible art, and you can win any number of prizes, including a contract with Fangoria, uh, and Hui on tablets and pen displays. Uh, 15 total winners will be picked across three categories. That's Elevated Horror, which is overall skill, Creep It Real, which is creative execution, and Hellraisers, which is the judge's choice. Those judges are Diana, Darcy the Male Girl Prince, Deviant Art Staff, and Attack Peter in 100% Soft. So if you're interested in this, the deadline is October 27th, and you can enter in your nightmarish wares over at DeviantArt.com. Also, this is a good time to throw in a, our regular plug for Fangoria, the magazine. You know it, you love it, and if you buy yourself an annual subscription to the magazine over at Fangoria.com, you can save a whopping 25% off your entire order by entering the promo code KINGCAST at checkout. With all of that said, on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Sarah! You guys wanna go see a dead body? Well, sometimes, that is better. Hello, and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We have a very exciting show for you today, gang. Our guest this week is one of our all-time favorites, having starred in everything from Arrested Development to M. Night Shyamalan's The Village to Spike Jones's Adaptation, along with Archer, Marvel's Ant-Man movies, and of course, David Gordon Green's ongoing Halloween trilogy, the latest chapter of which hits theaters this Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage our friend and yours, Ms. Judy Greer. Judy, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank we you. We are for so. Oh yes, and we are so excited to have you here. I I'm don't even know. To be here. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. I was writing up your intro before the show and looking at. I don't know. Have you been on your Wikipedia page lately? No. <laughs> Someone <laughs> is maintaining the ever-loving shit out of that page. Like, Dad, God, n- n- <laughs> nothing has been left off of there. Wow. And the uh, yeah, and just the sheer number of credits you have is overwhelming <laughs> i was reading through them and there was stuff in there that i have seen and 
and had forgotten that I'd seen. <laughs> Me too. Like like Visioneers. <laughs> do you remember being in Visioneers? I I do remember, but um by the way, if you hear that little jingling, it's my dog. Um, it's her little collar. Anyway, drinking uh, noises, dog noises, <laughs> jingling noises. Um, I, of course, I remember being in Visioneers, but but it was like a time. Imagine a time. Close your eyes and imagine a time before you knew how to pronounce the word Galifianakis. <laughs> that was when I shot Visioneers, and. I will tell you that every day at work, I was like, can you say your last name again for me, please? Because I don't want to mess it up. And he would say it. And the whole time we were shooting that movie, he was anxiously awaiting the delivery of a little orphan Annie costume that he had custom made for himself for his performance um, at Bonnaroo, I believe, the one in Seattle. And um, yeah, it was really crazy to watch the rise and rise and rise and continued rise of our good friends at Galifianakis. And I I was there. I was there in the beginning. You were. I remember when that movie came out. And it's funny you mentioned the thing about the the name because I was having to write it. You know, I I remember covering that movie when it came out. And I taught myself to spell Galifianakis by just like phonetically like Galifian Akis. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. And so that just locked it into place for me. I never forgot it after that. To I this break, day, I can I, still write it. No problem. It's not a I, brag. That's how I did Manhattan when I was little. Manhattan. Mm. But anyway, um, that Galifianakis, I think I, I don't remember how I, but I did eventually get it locked in there. So I don't think I could spell it though. So <laughs> brag much. <laughs> yeah. Fair it, it, it happens when, when you have a blogging background. It's how I can spell McConaughey correctly every time now. It's, you just oh, have yeah. to do it. Yeah. Do it so often so that you just much, teach yourself yeah. not to get stumbled. Yeah. Not to get stuck on it. Maybe I should blog. Yeah. No, you don't want to get into okay. that. <laughs> Too late. You don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Podcasting is where it's at, Judy. We can attest to that. <laughs> I would also like to point out that you were, as I've already done, but I'm going to do it again, that you were in M. Night Shyamalan's Village. Uh, yeah. Very divisive movie. Uh, I some know people, why. big fans, some not. Yeah, I assume you were a fan. You took the role. Huge fan. Well, let's be honest, I would have taken it no matter what. But I am a huge fan of that movie. And I don't, I, there's some directors out there or filmmakers, I should say, that people just have decided to hate. Mm. And I feel like for some reason he, that he's kind of one of them. Like he, people are really divided. And I think that's unfair because um, that movie I think is awesome. But hey, yeah. we're all allowed to have our own <laughs> opinions. I think it's brilliant. But I'm also a really good audience member. Like I don't see things coming. So even mm. when I read scripts, like I didn't see the ending coming. I had to watch the end of The Sixth Sense like three times. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. And I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, seriously? And like, no, rewind it. He's like, oh my God. And we rewound it three times. And then I was like, holy shit, he's dead. He's been dead the whole time. I think Knight has uh, kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword thing going on with him is that everybody wants a certain kind of movie from him. 
but they also don't want the same kind of movie. It's weird. They yeah, want no the same shit. thing, but they don't want the same thing. And so, but because it's I, it's so stupid. Musicians have this issue too. Right. Like you have an album come out that everyone fucking dies for. And then you make another one that's similar. And people are like, it just sounds just like the last one. You're like that. You love, you <laughs> love that record. Right. So like, aren't you happy? Shouldn't that be a good thing? Right. The only conclusion that we can draw from this one. this data is that people are stupid. <laughs> that's 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 all we can say, you know. And I I, I like the village a lot. The one the one I'm not uh, a fan of is Lady in the Water. I, 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 uh, I will be honest and tell you I never saw it because I didn't want to okay. not like it. How about yes, that? Yes, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Did you see his new one old about the beach that makes you old? No, but I feel like the beach does make you old. So I get it. <laughs> like I'm already in support. Aren't we it not is. supposed to lay out in the sun? Is it? Is that yeah. what it's about? That's what it's about. It's about it. the big twi- the big twist was skin cancer, yeah. and we're like, wow, <laughs> we, we all saw that coming. No, it's got a, it's got a pretty good twist, and it's kind of schlocky. He's he's gone back in recent years, and he's been doing stuff that's a little schlockier and more in the vein of like B movies rather than stuff that feels like he's aiming really high, and it mm. feels like he's. Uh, truly gotten into his groove mm. with that again. You know, he's oh, right on. You know, lower budgets, lower stakes. He's having fun. Uh, yeah. He's having fun, and I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, although I he would is. love to see him hit another kind of like signs level, just triple A blockbuster, you know, original yeah. thing uh, out of the park. But I feels like kind of Jordan Peele's kind of taken over that that mantle yeah. as of late. Like, oh, you want an original horror movie that's going to make you know four trillion dollars? Mm-hmm. Here we go. I uh, really loved working for night. Like it was, um, I mean, that was a long time ago, but it was really great. He actually put the storyboard pictures like Mm. with our sides in our trailer. I mean, do people know what sides are? Should I say what that is? Um, Sure. Go ahead. We know, but go ahead. So, so every day that you go to work on a movie or TV show, they put, they print out just the scenes you're shooting that day um, and put them in your trailer and they give them to the whole cast and crew every morning. So everyone knows the scenes that we're shooting. I mean, yes, in theory, we should already know that, but let's be honest, nobody ever does. (laughs) So you show up and you have all your scenes from the script, like just in this nice little packet stapled together and in your trailer. And what's very unusual, which I've never had before that or had since is that, um, the that the director has storyboard pictures um and he would put those in the trailer they would they would copy and put the storyboard pictures in the trailer Mm. with our sides every day so i not only did i know the scenes we were shooting i knew the shots that we were shooting and roger deakins shot that movie so like he's a a genius god and i'm i'm i was afraid of him and i still am and (laughs) he's like so wonderful and and Knight just really like told his story visually and told us what he was shooting. So you don't go to set and rehearse and be like, well, I think I want to have the camera over here and then we'll get like an insert shot here and then we'll get up here and then we have the crane for the last thing. It's like, that doesn't happen. Like you show up on set and you stand on your mark and you start acting. And I, I like working all kinds of ways, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's gotta be yeah. it, it, because part of being an actor is being vulnerable and like having to fully trust that, that uh yeah. the the camera op and the director and everything have your back while yeah. you're up there doing that so yeah. just kind of having no you're knowing what you're uh 
what the framing's going to be and like what's going yeah. to be in, in shot. I have to imagine that's only helpful. I liked it. I could see how maybe it's a bit structured for some artists, but it didn't bother me, especially like I said, when you have people like that. Right. And now you're wrapped up in these new Halloween films. I am so wrapped up in it. <laughs> How are you enjoying this experience so far? You're wading into pretty iconic territory with horror fans. I know. It's great. Horror fans are the best. I mean, they're really particular and they don't let you get away with any bullshit. So in that <laughs> no, they way, don't. they're also just the genre itself is so scary that you feel like, well, anyone who loves this genre that much also has some scary in them. You Just realize big- you're talking to a horror podcast. Right? <laughs> okay, so you guys, go I'm going to tell you all who are listening, you're scary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, Don't walk up to me with your Michael Myers mask on, please. Like show me that you have it in your backpack and put it on after you introduce yourself to me. <laughs> That would be great. I was just like, I, I uh, hashtag this morning, I was searching on Instagram, like Halloween kills. And just the things that people post that they're doing to prepare, it just warmed my heart. <laughs> it was so exciting to see the craft projects being put together now in anticipation of the movie coming out. And it was all very beautiful. And I love the community. And I think it's really like this one. So the first one, when we brought Halloween back in 2018, I was way more nervous because I wanted to do, I wanted to make it proud. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to make Jamie proud, if I'm honest. I wanted her, I wanted her to be happy she had signed on. I wanted her to be happy that we all did it. And so I was like excited and nervous about that. And then going into this guy, Halloween Kills, I just was like full steam ahead. So excited, so excited to make this movie because I think it's gonna even be more I think it's gonna make the fans even happier because it's just way more horrific frankly so, uh that's true we've seen it oh yeah. good okay good right and it is it is gnarly as <laughs> yeah, fuck is. what you I know I I was watching a screening at, at Blumhouse at their student in their screening room and I was screaming I just kept screaming David Gordon Green over and over and over because I just was like why 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 David Gordon Green or I'd go David <laughs> like Something horrible would happen. Or like, it's really, it's just very gory and very intense. And he told me when we were making it, he said, I want it to feel like a, like the horror movie version of Mad Max, where it just like goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And I was like, uh, check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did it. It's it's pretty ruthless. It doesn't pull any punches. I don't think this is a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but there's a kill with a fluorescent mm-hmm. light bulb in there I that know. is... Jesus Christ. It's really... For whatever reason, that one really, really wigged me out. People mention that a lot, that Mm. kill. I think it's because we've all handled a fluorescent light bulb at some point. (laughs) And so you do the thing where you pretend it's like a lightsaber maybe, or, you know, you spin it around and then you get scared you're going to drop it and break it. You know, know. you know how delicate those things are and how thin the glass is. So it's like, I think that's why that one... Probably I, I was just impressed that he was able to stab somebody with it without it disintegrating into a, you know, <laughs> dust or whatever the hell happens with us. Yeah. Just sugar. Well, yeah. He, you know, Michael Myers is a professional baby. He, 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 he knows how to stab. He's like the Navy SEAL of, of horror, of horror uh, yeah. villains. Yeah. That's 
a beautiful reference, and I'm going to steal that 100 percent from now on. Um, although I think this this might be my last interview, but I wish I would say he's the Navy SEAL. Yeah, killer. well, there you go. You, um, you got it in your back pocket for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I also was thinking like, wouldn't it be hot to the touch when you grab it? But I don't know. Light bulbs are hot. Yeah, he, Maybe they're not. Anyway, what? Michael My, Michael Myers takes bullets. Yeah. To the he chest. spends the, the first like ten minutes of the movie like sitting in a burning basement. So, so I think he's he's, he's fine. Dude, he's not worried I, about a little hot bulb. When they told me that they were picking up right where they left off, they left us off. Like before I read mm-hmm. the script, I was like, "How the <laughs> fuck are they getting him out of that basement? Like how? It never. I was." <laughs> And when I read that first, the for beginning of the movie, I was like, shit, that's yeah. smart. That's so it's smart. It's one of the best things in that initial trailer to, when you find out, when mm-hmm. you just see that shot of uh, you guys in the the truck and the fire trucks yeah. passing yeah. by. Yeah. We're like, no, no. no. <laughs> and he's like, of course that would happen. Of course that's what would happen. Yeah, that, that, that's very smart. Mm. I do really like that that the new movie is the, the foundation of the new movie is about how a community is affected by trauma uh, versus the first movie is more mm-hmm. about a singular person and a family essentially. And how mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the trauma of a singular person ripples, in, you know, through the generations of her family where at this, uh, what I love about this one is like, Oh yeah. You know, Laurie Strode isn't, isn't the end all be all in this thing. Haddonfield itself was totally fucked up mm-hmm. by this this event. To me, mm-hmm. that is such a, a brilliant end to the sequel and just showing how, uh, especially because here here's the thing. What I love about these new movies is that what the original series kind of forgot over their multiple sequels and what the Rob Zombies movies never did was they, they didn't see Myers, uh, or they tried to complicate Myers, and they tried to complicate the shape beyond, okay, now he's going after her because she's his sister, or he had a terrible abusive upbringing. Like, the terror of Michael Myers is that he is just death incarnate, that he's got a blank face yeah. that you can project any fear you want onto. Whatever's beneath it doesn't really matter. It's just death. He represents death and the randomness of death, and, and when you start giving him motivation then, you know, that kind of demystifies him a little bit. Yeah. Well, personalizes him. And I no, that's, you go for it. You're the guest. Oh, yeah. It's an interrupty <laughs> show. <laughs> I mean, it, I think that's what is sort of beautiful about the story of Halloween is that you, that like the, well, in my opinion, the right way to tell the story is that he, that Michael is like the evil in mm. all of us. It is like, we can all project what our biggest fear is onto Michael Myers. And, um, and, you know, when you make him, when you make, when you make it personal, then it's like that Jack, then it's like the Keanu Reeves movie where the guy killed his dog. Uh-huh. John like, Wick. I forgot. Cause I didn't yeah. see yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then it turns into that. And like, I, but I think you're right. Like it, he's just evil. He's evil incarnate and he is somehow invincible even though he's got to be about i think like 100 <laughs> years old um mm-hmm. i can't imagine he can see or breathe very well through mm-hmm. that mask um, you can hear him he's, he's struggling he's face. struggling to breathe you hear him all the time i know i'm glad that we took over where the first yeah. one left off no. and the, when i knew this series was on the, was on the right track is, is that line yeah. whenever they're just like oh i thought he was his, her sister her, her brother he's like no nah, that's just some stuff some people made up it's like yep yeah. <laughs> perfect yeah. move on 
I know. Um, but I do think it's an, it's a great, it's a, a great idea to open the story up to yeah. the whole town. And it's interesting that they're all still yep. there. Why? Yeah, no shit. I would have moved away. I'd be out living in the woods. I, I mean, I don't know. I might be in like the loudest, most crowded place in the world because I'd be afraid all the time. But um, crowds didn't help anyone in Haddonfield, though. You know what I mean? I'll like, say. if Michael Myers is coming after me, he's going to have to f- fucking hike up a mountain to make okay. it happen. But like, aren't you afraid that you're going to see him through your window in the middle of the night? We went to our cabin this weekend, and like, I was like more yeah, scared isolation than scary. There. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't feel that way. Like, I feel eh, no. yeah. Not so much. Not so much. I've had I've had more problems with rowdy or unreasonable neighbors than I've ever had with mass killers <laughs> appearing in my window. So you've made a point, yeah. man. That's a good point. Yeah. So well, a, I, that you know of. Okay. Yeah, maybe they're really yeah, that good. I know of. I mean, they could be looking at my window every fucking yeah. night, and I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not doing a lot of looking through my windows yeah. at night. You know. I, in fact, I, the windows in our bedroom, uh, my wife and I, we have them like blacked out because the house faces. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Like where the sun rises yeah. and uh, it's just a beating in the morning, like uh, any amount of sunlight. And I'm, I'm wide awake. So I have an east facing house, but I feel like. Well, my house faces east. My bedroom faces west, which is, is on purpose because right. of that. I feel like it's nice to have the front of your house get the morning sun. Not- well, our yeah, well, one of our guest bedrooms faces the west. Yeah. But then, you know, anyone you put in there, it's gonna be hot as balls at the end of the day and they because won't the sun's very set. long and the right. leaves soon. Right. So you got to kill them real quick <laughs> as soon as they get in the house. <laughs> yeah. uh. Now uh, let's let's talk. We were we were told beforehand that you are a, a big Stephen King fan. We took that at face value. I'm curious. This is a question we ask all of our guests, but I'm very curious to hear what your Stephen King origin story is. When did he? Books. When did he first come into your life? Books. I would say I met. It's when I met my best friend in school. I met her when in fourth grade, and I was a huge reader, and she was a huge reader. Um, her name is Nicole and we're still friends and she, I'm going to attribute it to her because she, I'm an only child, but she had like a gajillion Mm. older brothers and sisters and they all, they had books everywhere all over the house and there were Stephen King books. And so we were like secretly reading Stephen King books because we probably weren't supposed to be. Um, so that was my introduction and I have vivid memories of reading, um, Pet Cemetery and Carrie and hmm. Christine. Um, how old? Like, like how old were you when? when this I was mean, going probably. I'm gonna go like ten to hmm. junior high. Right on. Um, right on. Yeah, and then so that junior high is what like thirteen, fourteen. Like that's when I was um, reading hmm. like crazy, and I really and I think I read. I mean, I feel like I read all the ones that I could because I even read the really thick ones. Would that mm-hmm. have been The Stand? I mean, my brain is mush because of drugs and alcohol, but <laughs> right. like I remember reading The Stand. I think mm-hmm. I read it. Um, and also I had another girlfriend named Susie Poling, who it's all about mm-hmm. the older siblings I learned. Like, like anyone who was cool had older sisters and brothers. So so that's where I got my reading. Material. What the fuck? What a thing for an only child to say. I'm an only child too. And so now hmm. I am offended. 
Sorry. Are your parents old? Because um, have you had to deal with their aging parents yet? No, but they're they're pretty hale and hearty. Yeah, they are. You know, I know. Like like my folks are. God, like 70. Right. But they're also they're more active than I am. You know, like my dad and his wife recently like took a like they're into sailboating and they'll go out on fucking sailboats and take these long trips where where I'm like, you couldn't fucking keep me on a boat for that long. Are you kidding me? I'd lose my mind. They they travel all over. Yeah, they're very active. I mean, I would agree with you until I would say like, right, this phase of my life is starting the phase of like. Oh, it would be nice to maybe like have someone else to be like, um, can you do that thing? Cause I can't, cause I have mm. to go work or like to make, help mm. make decisions. But Hey, like I wrote a book and I wrote chapters about this because I was like, you know, just cause you have siblings right. doesn't mean they're going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. They could fucking suck. And you're stuck with like shitty siblings and actually makes life a lot more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. just ask Michael Myers. <laughs> 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 I like how you brought it back. Thank you. Yeah, like, that's my job. Are you, how are we going to get out of this? And then you did it. Um, it. We've done a lot of episodes at this point. That's so I, true. Yes. Um, well, I will go back and offend you again and say, in my experience, I felt like my friends with older siblings like had cool shit around, yeah. and so that is true. That is um, true. So, like, uh, and back to the drugs and the alcohol and <laughs> Stephen King books. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, that is that is true. Only only children get weed at a later <laughs> yeah. age. You know, <laughs> like you, you got an older brother or sister, that's a slam. Or you just need to know, you just need to be like me and so, have a, a mom who's a pothead. Then you can have pot around whenever you want. Oh, out. Yeah, <laughs> she's not a regular that's mom. True. She's like a cool mom. She, she yeah. wears her hat yeah, backwards. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sitting in chairs backwards to <laughs> reprimand you, but like stern but fair. Yeah, yeah. but like yeah, just yeah, like yeah. don't do it again. Yeah, Why did they make I'm not mad. Going? I'm just like I wish you were doing this at home where you're don't safe. smoke weed. <laughs> it turns out you're talking yeah. about like angel dust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wanted to do ayahuasca with you the first time. Um, oh my god, have you ever done ayahuasca? <laughs> no, but I'm not ruling it out. But no. I've heard crazy stuff about ayahuasca, and I would like to try it. But <laughs> my understanding is you have to bring several changes of pants because you will shit your pants on ayahuasca. Wait, I've only heard the barfing, and I, I don't think they're want probably connected. Okay. Yeah, like you know, it's you're not supposed to have it in your body, probably. Uh, so that's your body's way of saying that. Okay. While yeah. your while your mind is exploding. But I, I think it's it's a both ends situation on, on I, that front. I have a handful of friends who've done ayahuasca. And I hope, I'm sorry to say this to you guys. I hope that <laughs> they don't listen to this podcast because of what I'm about to say. Because mm-hmm. I really wanted to do ayahuasca. And all of these friends who have done it, who said it was the most incredible experience of their lives, none of them to my eyes have seemed changed at all or changed any of their behaviors <laughs> or seem more evolved than anyone I know. Right. In fact, they all just want to keep doing it. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, you're not selling it actually. Like no one's really come back in a way that I'm like, God, I want that. I want that kind of peace. I want that kind of like clarity, <laughs> not feeling it from any of my friends that have done ayahuasca. So I'm so, so like I said, not ruling it out, but like don't have a plane <laughs> ticket to Brazil. 
I went on a 14 day trip and marched deep into the mountains and there a series of priests and nurses looked over me and a medicine man as I faced God himself at the top of a mountain somewhere in my mind. What are you doing for dinner tonight? Oh, I'm just going to order Domino's. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like you're you're not that changed. (laughs) That's how, hey. That's like exactly, exactly it. Or like we talk about it and then the guy proceeds to get just blackout drunk and like, (laughs) or whatever the case, like I don't feel Mm -hmm. exactly. I know this Mm. is not an ayahuasca podcast, but that is, uh, that's my two cents about it. Well, we'll launch the ayahuasca cast and and we'll bring you back as as a guest. (laughs) When you're done talking to everyone in the world who (laughs) loves Stephen King, who other people who love Mm -hmm. Stephen King want to hear about. um, So around the time where our parents (laughs) age. I'll loop, loop, get a loop back around on this. We'll take a little field Yo, trip into the jungle. Ayahuasca ing. Uh, but yeah, so that, so, so I would say nine to junior high was like when I was reading Stephen King. And I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember the first, I mean, I think my, my first Stephen King movie that I can remember seeing probably Did was Did you see scary. it before you read the book or after? Yeah. Okay. I was, I'm a book first girl. Always have been. Um, right. If I'm planning on reading the book. Um, right. so yes, I saw it. I read the book. I saw the movie. It was terrifying. And also I was jealous that Carrie could kill all the yeah. people that were mean to her. And I had my <laughs> own list going in my head. Um, mm-hmm. like my Carrie list. And I think that I had previous to that been reading books that were so poorly written that to start like my adult reading with Stephen King was like, just, I don't know, like from a literary perspective, like much smarter, like better. Mm -hmm. I was just like starting to just read better books. So then going back to any like YA bullshit, I was like, eh, like I can't read these books anymore. And (laughs) they're so soapy and stupid and characters suck. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm like, Oh, she got her period. Like, (laughs) like not, I mean, I'm not talking about Carrie, but like in other, other books. Um, but like, I mean, it was awesome when Carrie got her period. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah, I also having shot that scene. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, you were you were in the Carrie remake. <laughs> I know I was, which I which you remember? I, yeah. yeah, yes, everyone. We made it again. It wasn't good enough to make <laughs> the first two times. Yeah. I think I just thought that as far as just like reading was concerned, he was he is such an incredible writer, and I just read mm-hmm. one of his new pulp books later. Fucking forgot the name and it was Later? so fun. Yeah. Yeah, that one's good. I like that one. Yeah. It was so fun. It was. It he's, was. He's great. And then I also read not mm-hmm. too long ago on writing, which just made me yeah. kind of re fall in love with him. It was mentioned to us beforehand that you you love that one. I know, and I know that's not a Stephen King book, quote unquote, but like it's really it is a Stephen King book. <laughs> it's like the most Stephen King of all the yeah. Stephen King books, if you want to go that way. But like, but it's really, I, I loved, it just made yeah. me want to revisit all of his books. And like, it kind of reminded me um, of what a fan I was and of what a, like, right. just what a treasure he is. I mean, 
And oh, then, yeah. and I love, I just personally love reading about right. how artists make their art, you know, and, and like, even though it can be slightly demystifying, like, it's so cool and, and interesting to me. Like, we did yeah. an episode on that one, actually. I gotta go um, back and listen to it because it's uh, Ryan Johnson's the guest. So it's basically him talking about on writing and then, you know, his own writing process in relation to that and what's different and what's the same and, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, me breaking his balls, trying to get information about <laughs> Knives Out too. You know, it's it's a good one. Worth seeking out. I uh, I think the day after I finished on writing, I set my alarm and oh, woke man. up at six a.m. and started writing. And I just like did like the two thousand word vomit on the page and was like, yes, I did it. And then that was the last day that <laughs> I, <just> ever, <laughs> I ever wrote anything. That's the ayahuasca <laughs> con- uh, like. <laughs> version there is something about that book that makes you want to want to write though it's the same i had the same feeling with a book called rebel without a crew that robert rodriguez wrote um and it's all about like you read that book you go i'm gonna go make a movie with all my friends tomorrow tomorrow i'm gonna do it i'm I'm so psyched and ready to do it but like on writing has the same that same like motivational (laughs) thing maybe it's a not very long lasting motivational uh message to it but it didn't work on me but but yet i'm saying yet but i i think that like when someone's a genius like robert rodriguez or stephen king like Mm. they make it sound so easy that it's like well yeah it's a no-brainer you wake up every day at six and you write for an hour and you write these this one are you yeah it's a no-brainer you have an idea you get your Mm -hmm. fucking friends together and you shoot a goddamn (laughs) movie like what are you a pussy but then like when it (laughs) actually comes down to it you're like oh they're geniuses like they can't not make movies. They can't not write. Like that right. has yep. to come out of their bodies. And the Stephen King <laughs> title that you picked uh, deals yes. with the writer. Deals yeah. with the writer. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, it was. It, yeah, listen to these masterful segues. Yeah, I'm, I'm making notes. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm on fucking fire today over here. <laughs> okay. If you had a segue okay. for every good segue that you made oh no I, I, this is <laughs> this is you're hearing the peak of my segue right. prowess do right tours now and make some <laughs> extra true. money as a side hustle yeah. <laughs> no no one's coming to segway con <laughs> 2022 no one needs that uh but um yes your chosen title is misery it is about a writer i'm curious why you chose this one i have always remembered loving this movie and mm-hmm. specifically falling in love. I think we all did mm-hmm. with a young Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting, what I want. So I was told to pick my favorite Stephen King movie mm-hmm. and then I was told to watch it again so that I could talk to you guys about it. And I was like, that's actually a good idea. Cause I haven't seen it in so long. So I was excited to rewatch it and remember you know, what it was that was that affected me so much, but it was yes. almost impossible because mm. so much time has gone by and I make movies myself now. And the way I watch movies is so different now. And it was like, I was first struck mm. with like how much light there was in it. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, and that was like my first it's thing. I was like, there's so much yeah. light. Like it's not dark. Like they're never dark. Like it's like the, the sunshine is shining through and her face is so lit all the time and the, the, the camera is so close to it. And I was just looking at all that stuff. It was, it was in my memory of it. It's like, Oh my God, it's like the scariest horror movie ever. And I think, um, I don't know. It was situationally so scary, but like it was 
brighter than I remembered. It was funnier than I remembered. Um, the performances, like the, the performances were a little bit more on the nose than I, like, I, like, she's so crazy. And then, and then like when she just bursts out with her, like, like mm-hmm. outbur- like her outbursts are so like they come out of nowhere. I mean, you just believe her. I, I'm so happy she continued to work so much because she was like almost so good that I'd be like, is she mm. just going to be stuck in this land forever? This poor woman, like she's so fucking good and crazy. And then it's also like, you know, the horror isn't really on the screen. Like you, except for that. Oh, when she, right. she, like I remember the leg yeah. thing. That's what we all remember. And then. Um, anyway, and my husband was excited because he was like, you know, I've never seen that movie. He's like, but I feel like I know exactly what it's about because you see the, her <laughs> hammering his legs together and that's like what everyone thinks the movie is. But anyway, <laughs> what do you want? What else do you want to ask me about um, it? Yeah. <laughs> I would just like comment a little bit about what you were saying about how the movie's comfortable taking place in daylight. And that is atypical for horror stuff, especially one that's held up as one of the 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 greats, especially in the like recent uh, mm-hmm. or canon, um, but it to me it just goes to show I don't know the that Rob Reiner's you know balls in making this you know and, like he didn't need to to change mm-hmm. his uh, lighting setup he's like he it worked in Stand by Me you know I'll I'll just do bring this over here um, mm-hmm. that is something crazy you don't often see a whole lot of horror movies that are lit this way. And, uh, and that's something great that you picked up on. Like what, mm-hmm. like, Scott, did you ever notice that while you were watching or did that ever register with you before? Do you ever notice the lack of like horror lighting? Cause there's really only the, those moments at night. Like when she, she's depressed I, and she shows up with a gun. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Or when she makes mm-hmm. him dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those aren't it, the darkness plays no role in whatever ominous is happening in those scenes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really count. I honestly had not really consider that until until judy just said it and so i've been kind of <laughs> absorbing it and trying to poke holes in it you know to see if there is a scary scene there is not a scary scene to my to my recollection uh not to embarrass you uh judy uh, no. to be clear that just for my own personal satisfaction <laughs> I, I, I wanted to know if there was some, I know. something in there yeah uh it's I, you're you're absolutely correct on that it's but it's not a it's not a typical horror movie in in any sense and the fact that it's so funny uh, yeah. as, as Judy also pointed out, I think mm-hmm. also muddies the waters a little bit on what exactly misery is. Misery is, it is a, a horror film. I, I think in my head, I would think of it more of as like a psychological thriller yeah. that happens yeah. to have bursts I, of violence in it, but whatever, same difference. But like the violence isn't, right. it's not really on screen. Like there's, no, some, and, like there's one, like one, when she, fir- right. when she hits one, the first side of his two feet on that thing and like you see the foot flop over and you're like, fuck, I think that <laughs> you don't see the second one I was covering my eyes, but, um, but like, it's not, yeah, like it's not, you're not seeing like right. the throat get slit and the blood pouring out of, you know, you're not seeing like the gore and just the camera, mm-hmm. like the way he covers each scene the way he covers her specifically, and like it was interesting. I d- I didn't remember Rob mm-hmm. Reiner directed it. I didn't remember that Barry Sonnenfeld shot it. I worked with him. He directed me in a pilot for HBO years ago, and and you know he does like mm-hmm. broad comedy now as yeah. a director, and and so that is interesting. That like it's almost. <laughs> 
dare I say, like <laughs> David Gordon Green directing a Halloween franchise, like, like, you but know, way less gory. <laughs> but, but like, anyway, <laughs> way less gory and, and like able to like, just the situation is so fucked. Like he's so fucked and he does such a great job. Like yeah. when he's trying, I mean, James Conn's performance, I'm saying, and like, and how you can see behind his eyes, he's like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. But he's like, yeah, no, let's have dinner tonight. Why don't you get some candles? It's definitely the mark of a great actor in that role because you can hear the lines that he is saying in his mind. Like all all through that, you know, the scene where he has dinner with her and his plan goes wrong, just the look on his face and, and you know, like the way he deals with her at the beginning when he doesn't know that she's a threat but is kind of smelling bullshit you know about like oh the phone lines are down and and whatnot yeah. you could see that in the back of his eyes and and it it i'm sure he's bringing his his own life experience into this where you know he's a very famous actor and has had uh you know glad hand people on the street that think they know him and, mm-hmm. and all that but like there's just something in there where you can like the character of paul sheldon is I'm uh, playing behind his eyes where he's like, this is how he's dealt with fans before people who seem to know too much. And he's, he's mm-hmm. nice up front, but you can tell it right in the back of his mind. He's going, I can't wait to get out of this situation. I just want to leave this situation. Yeah. yeah like yeah. what's my exit strategy as soon as he says hi, like, and, and then also I was taken by just how, right. how fast we get into the story. Like, like, you know, it's like the end champagne cigarette driving (laughs) a car that should never be driven on a snowy road and then boom she's there he's in her bed like it's all it's just like now i feel like i need to go and reread the novel um which i probably will uh next week maybe because i want to see what they left out now Uh, it's way gorier the book's way gorier oh i mean i'm sure but i also am curious like you know, would like having these movies because I get annoyed when everything's like a remake all the time, <laughs> even though we just talked about how I was in one. But like, but like, it would be interesting to see this movie be remade right now. And like, what would a different director yeah. do with the story and, and screenwriter and stuff? I'd certainly be interested. Well, Ryan to see Johnson's got to uh, be the cast, got to be the person in now, the bed. It's going to be be a guy with a wall of Funkos <laughs> behind him the, that, um, that hasn't seen The Last Jedi yet. <laughs> Judy, check this out. This is some of the other... This is a list of names that were offered the role that ultimately James Kong picked up. And they, they turned him down for whatever reason, or it didn't work out. But just listen to some of these. Okay. Uh, William Hurt. <gasps> Kevin Klein, Michael <laughs> Douglas. Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> Gene Hackman, and Robert Redford. Are you fucking kidding me? Not fucking kidding you. They all turned it down. Quote, Warren Beatty was interested in the role, wanting to turn him into a less passive character. This is something we talked about when Elijah Wood was on the show. Like the reasoning behind that. He picked Misery too. No um, Yeah. Uh, he had never read it. Uh, it turned out he had never read a Stephen King book. Uh, we love Elijah anyway. <laughs> even though he's he's on our shit list for that. Um, but, <laughs> and I should start a Stephen King book club. I'll reread them all with him. Good <laughs> fucking luck trying to get that guy to read anything. I, I have he does. tried. He, does. he probably um, has to protect his beautiful eyes. Continue. Sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the book is means. attacking him. He's what, reading I don't it. Yeah. know what it means. We mustn't let Elijah read too many words. Um, <laughs> 
we were talking about how passive the the role is and and how maybe that's why all these guys turned it down. You know, you're basically the whole performance is in your face in a bed. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I never think like that because I'm a supporting (laughs) actor who thinks I'll never work again. So I will pretty Mm -hmm. much work. I'll do whatever um, and find a way to find a way to make it work in my mind. But it is interesting when you put it that way. But what's so what's so interesting to me about all those people that pass is like, I think I'd have to hear the whole list again. But James Conn is like the most fucking masculine, manly, badass motherfucker on that list. Yeah, like come on, he's sunny. Like he's like, like yeah. what are you talking about? Like he turned it around because, like, I would never even mm-hmm. actually think of that character as being passive once he played it. Like seeing him do it because yeah. he's his because he's so good in the role and like makes sense though because dudes are like, no, I'm not. Like it's funny, of course. Like <laughs> Warren Beatty. I mean, I don't really know him. I had a really nice moment with him in a Broadway show once, but that aside. uh you know, that to say like, I want him to be less passive. I want him to be more, but it's, I don't know. Like, yeah. But like James Conn is such a man. And and he Mm -hmm. agreed. Everybody, like I would have killed to have seen Richard Dreyfus, like late eighties, Richard Dreyfus as that character. Like, (laughs) are are you kidding? Like, I don't know. He's no way. I don't know. He, I I think he would be fucking bad, but maybe it's just me. I I seem to be outvoted. (laughs) He's too, he's too, uh, fu- fussy and neurotic Richard Dreyfus for that character. I just, I don't, try, I, I guess I should say, try fussy. I feel like he's too sweet. Yes. There's something kind of prickish and dickish about James Conn's, like that, to me, that like makes it. Yeah. There's ego to there's, it. Yeah. And here's another little uh, mind blower for you. Two, uh, Actresses who turned down the role of Annie Wilkes, Angelica Houston, and <gasps> Bette Midler. Nope. <laughs> I think Richard Dreyfuss should have played Annie Wilkes. <laughs> I would love to see this movie with Richard Dreyfuss and Bette Midler. <laughs> Bette, and like, I can't even imagine Bette Midler like, like sweeping into those directing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot imagine. I literally cannot conjure the image of like. Bette Midler strolling into that room with fucking Paul yeah. Sheldon and screaming at him. Well, I, I can imagine her yelling, but I get, I, well, I, we've all seen it. But there's I think some, like, yeah, there's some, there's something a little country bumpkin about yeah. about Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. Like, you yeah, believe she lives there, and like I mean, right? Yeah. Not Annie Wilkes. Like, see, that's how good she was that I call her Annie Wilkes. But also, like, and I'm sorry, it's not that Kathy Bates isn't sexy. Mm-hmm. It's just that Angelica Houston is so sexy. That like mm-hmm. there would be this like sexual tension there that I don't think. Yeah, there would. Angelica could, Houston gonna yeah. keep you in a bed for a couple of months. I oh, like, boo hoo hoo. Well, <laughs> maybe she'll fuck me, but then I'll like find a way to get out. I mean, like I don't know. I don't. I, I you well, can't. There's have something. I think something genius in casting uh, some mm. uh, an unknown. Uh, film actor like she was known on on stage but she wasn't known in the world of mm-hmm. film and casting a very mm-hmm. famous 
uh, male lead uh, opposite her because the character is very famous. Paul Sheldon's a very famous character and Annie Wilkes isn't. There's something I love it when directors can play with baggage. And like my favorite example of this is looking at uh, Once Upon a Time in the West and they cast Henry Fonda, who had always been playing the nice guys all throughout his years, decades and decades of playing the nice guy. And they they make him a cold hearted killer in this movie and his piercing eyes. It's like when you uh, talked about Elijah, when you make Elijah a psychopath in like maniac or sin city, the baggage Mm -hmm. that they bring along, like really, uh, I don't know. It's like a little cherry on top of their performance. There's just a little something extra fun for at least film cinephiles. I don't know if it counts for the average theater goer who doesn't really Mm -hmm. pay attention, but you know, I think for most people, they, they register something like that, at least on some level. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think good point. It's, I think, I think like you also have to be careful and this is why, Mm -hmm. and this was 31 years ago, this movie came out Mm -hmm. in 1990, um, which is crazy because I, I mean, yes and no, it seems like that's right. But I would say that the people you read to me on that list, (laughs) I mean, I don't think my stepkids would know who any of them are even, but like, but like in 1990, they were probably the hugest stars in the whole world. And, and like, there's that. I don't know. I call it like the Q-tip phenomenon where you like erase yourself because you're so <laughs> clearly, I don't have this problem, but mm. you're so famous that like, you're just that guy. You're not, you're just like, can Brad Pitt really play characters? I mean, he was so good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it was like one of those like refreshing performances where you're like, oh my mm-hmm. God, yeah, that's the Brad Pitt. That's like a great actor. Yeah. And I I <laughs> right. anyway, okay. So I like Brad Pitt, but I just mean that like, it, I do feel like Probably at the time, James Conn. Everyone knows who James Conn is, but like, I don't know. You're right. The baggage thing is smart. It's smart. Mm. Now, uh, speaking of baggage, here comes another one. Are you ready for this? Holy shit. Speaking of baggage, uh, a question that we have asked every guest we've had who's picked misery is whether or not they've had experiences with unhinged fans or extra passionate fans to be a little nicer about it have you judy greer ever encountered somebody that's a little uh and you can't say us because we're right here weirded you out a little bit um first of all only children (laughs) (laughs) um i have not that i can remember off the top of my i've had like some handsy fans but like what you know, like, like, oh, can I get a picture with you? And you're like, sure. And then they're like, kind of mm. putting their arms around you, like, I don't like that. Places I don't like that, that at all. Shouldn't. Yeah, it's gross. But it doesn't. But I don't feel like it's because I'm me. I feel like it's because I have a boob on mm. that side, or like my butt started there. You know what I mean? Like, I think, right, the, right. I think that's just maybe how those people are with women. Um, is my gut vibes, but I haven't had like a crazy fan experience. So I don't know. Should I be bummed? <laughs> No, I don't know. Elijah told us about waking up one day and finding a lady out in his backyard while he was trying to make coffee. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know if you would. But he told me where he lived. (laughs) (laughs) I watch. I watch him coffee every morning. He never looked up. That's the one day he looked up. It's funny you say that because his other story was about you know there was a person that uh, kept coming to his house that was saying like, "Listen, we are in love with each other." And and you must know that. And he was like, right, 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 right. I feel like I would deal very poorly in these situations. Sounded like Elijah handled them very, very well. But I'm I'm honestly surprised to hear that you haven't. You've been in so much stuff. There's so much opportunity for some uh, <laughs> everything. Every new project you do is a new opportunity. 
to discover a fan who uh, might not know the not know their boundaries. So I know. Have you done I, a lot of conventions? No, I do them for Archer, and it's pretty normal. Like Archer fans are. I got yelled at once <laughs> by a fan, but it didn't. It wasn't. You step on their foot. It was just more about like he was mad. <laughs> <laughs> he was really mad that Hollywood oh. was taking over the, the San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> he was really angry and he decided to wait in line and go through half of the line with my other cast members and wait till he got to me to yell at me, <laughs> Judy Greer, about the Hollywooding of San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> but also, I mean, those conventions, it would be a perfect place for a crazy fan to go because everyone's carrying a backpack and everyone's dressed up like in another character, like with, like you right. could really do some damage if you were a crazy stalker fan. Yeah, and I, I've I've been to conventions. You know, I've I've covered yeah. them and stuff. Not usually my scene. I don't like that many people all in one place. Makes me skittish. Yes. Uh, but I what I have observed is that that as you were saying earlier that that fans can get handsy with people. I notice it a lot with just people. Um, you know, if a woman was dressed up as like a character from a thing. Yeah. You know, and then like, hey, can I get a picture with you? And then it gets real sleazy real fast. And yeah. you can see this happen in real time everywhere you look. I'm surprised to hear that they would try it with a star of your caliber, Ms. Greer. Oh, wow. um, thank you so much. No, but, I mean, yeah, they do. But like, again, I think it's just because mm-hmm. I'm a, a chick. I think you should start throwing elbows, dude. I think. Oh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> I am. One about time, that? I, maybe I will. I mean, definitely this happened at a time it was like before like the full like me tooing and and like i had uh like an element of like wait is this happening wait wow wow and then like the picture's over and i like walk away and well we understand you have a heart out here so we should probably wrap this up real quick uh, is there anything that you want to plug yeah. maybe a little movie coming out on on friday i do have this little movie um it's called halloween kills I'd love to plug that. I'm really proud of it. I'm proud to be a part of the franchise. And I don't know. I think this movie is going to give horror fans a lot more of what they like. Yes, I think that's very fair to say. I had to watch a lot of it with my eyes covered and I knew what was going to happen. So I can't. Oh, it's gruesome. (laughs) It's gruesome. I know. And like horror fans in the audience, take notes. Yeah. You will not be disappointed on Friday. No, no. Well, Um, we go ahead. Please. I was going to thank you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry we don't have more time with you. We would love to have you back on the show since we know you're a King fan. So You know what would be fun is if I read Misery and it. maybe I can come back and talk Count about the book, the movie. Would you want to ever do that? Yes, absolutely. That seems like it would be fun. Um, okay, cool. I think that would be a really do fun it. thing to do. And, um, and I'll let you know when I finish it. I'll read it soon. We'll pass along our, our contact info to your rep so you have a direct line to us. You'll know where to find us. Yes. Yes. And thank you so much for being here. You are, you are a, a delight. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Many thanks to the absolutely delightful Judy Greer. The effervescent Judy Greer. She is the like, luminous Judy Greer. She is legit like one of the most charming people I've ever talked to. It was like one of those things where it's like, I, I really like Judy Greer going into this. And then after that chat, I'm just like, well, you know, whatever she does, if she wants to, you know, like build a private army and sign me up. I'm I'm right. team Judy like, Greer. Like, I didn't think I was going to get married to Judy Greer, but maybe <laughs> I will. I mean, I don't know. I'll do it for the show if I have to. Yeah, have she's to. fucking awesome. Anyone, including my wife, will have to understand that. 
understand yeah, it. I'm she, sure you're, I'm sure Amy will be like super, like she would encourage you. She'd be like, well, of course I want to be married to Judy Greer. Everybody wants to be mm. married to Judy Greer. Oh, you're talking about like a, like a, a three-way marriage thing. Yeah. You could get a little, uh, oh, sister wife action going on. Yeah. I don't think that's allowed in Texas. I think they'll shoot you for that. Judy Greer knows her Stephen King shit. Mm -hmm. She is absolutely delightful, was hilarious on the show and came prepared. Folks, we are already working on getting her back on the show. She uh, cannot say enough good things about this guest. Right. Just uh, just amazing. Yeah, just just, just one of my favorite episodes for sure. Sometimes when we talk to guests and they're like, like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely come back. And then it's like kind of clear that it's like, no, I'm really happy to just have done the one and done thing. You know, maybe they they meant it. Maybe they didn't. You have to follow up, figure it out with like Judy Greer. The second we stopped recording and we were like finalizing all the audio, you know, tech bullshit at the end. She was like making plans about coming back on the show after she finished reading Missouri. Right. And so she was she I don't think those were hollow words. I think that uh, we will definitely be hearing more Judy Greer on on the podcast. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, what's coming up. Right. So we are ending our run of Halloween kills guests next week with an episode on the dead zone. And I think that anybody who can put two and two together can figure out who our guest is going to be on this one, but uh, I'm still going to not say it. So make you do a little bit of work, but the topic next week will be the dead zone and it will be somebody from Halloween kills on the show. Yes. And meanwhile, uh, this Friday on the Patreon, uh, we have a very special episode. We are finally going to confront and look dead in the eyes (laughs) The scene that no one wants to talk about from Stephen King's It. You know the scene I'm talking about. We have recorded an entire episode about that with a, a, a young lady by the name of Colleen Carney. She's a friend of mine. She uh, she was a contributor at Birth Movies Death. She is the editor-in-chief of the Drunk Monkeys Literary Journal. And she also co-hosts a uh, Twin Peaks podcast that we're uh, fans of. And she is coming in to defend that scene. We're all kind of defending that scene. Let's just get that right out on the table. But um, this was a conversation that needed to be had on the show. Uh, uh, We had to step very carefully. It was a minefield of a conversation uh, so that no one got in trouble. But we made it through with what I would consider flying colors. I think we're safe. Do you do you agree, Eric? Yeah, no, it, and it's it's something that you know I bring up on the the episode that is it's the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room when you're talking about it because it's on everybody's mm-hmm. mind and it this is the scene where it's like do we talk about the scene or do we not and we chose to focus wholly on this this uh, scene in the sewers uh, that is infamous and will never ever ever thankfully ever ever be adapted into any of the visual uh, yes. versions of of this uh, the story definitely a Nerdy conversation. It's definitely a awkward conversation. A very awkward conversation. You'll you get to hear Scott ramble a little bit because he's nervous about even diving into it. Yes, it's you will you will believe a Wampler can be terrified. <laughs> uh, but you know, ultimately, I I thought it was a really fun conversation, and Colleen is is you know has such great insight into everything and. And uh, yeah, so that is what we have on our Patreon on Friday. Patreon.com backslash the Kingcast. And while we're giving out plugs, we might as well give a shout out to our uh, merch provider over at Content19. That's K-A-T-E-T-19.net. They have a a number of t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, beer koozies, all kinds of shit that you would want. 
with uh, the KingCast logo on them or, you know, in-jokes from the show, go over to Cotet19 and check out the KingCast official merch store that they've got. Uh, if you go to ka-tet19.net, look up at the top of the page, look for the KingCast official merch store, and you will be taken away to everything we're offering right now. That should be it. Yeah. So we'll see you guys next Wednesday with our mysterious, not so mysterious, uh, most likely, but our, our exciting guest for the dead zone, talking about the dead zone. And then this Friday addressing that, uh, the scene that shall not be named from Stephen King's it on the Patreon. The King cast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted and created by Eric Vespi. That's me. And Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. Bye.